You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Oh, hi there. What the fuck? How you been? It's been a, been a minute. My name is Alex. Uh, welcome to American Winer. It's Wednesday night at podcastdetroit.com. How the fuck is everybody doing? It's great to be back. My feet are healed. My feet are healed. They're kind of ugly on top, but I got some Neosporin on them. I've been Neosporining the shit out of them for the past week, and uh, I can walk around now without uh, without excruciating pain, so I will never take walking for granted again. Uh, joining me tonight, uh, my guest, uh, joining us from St. Clair Shores, a uh, good friend of mine, a uh, husband of, a, of another podcast guest, Mr. Jim Kroll, who was on last uh, fall. Uh, Charlotte Kroll, also known as Shar Shar. Charlotte, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm good. You're actually, you were feeling a little bit under the weather uh, uh, today. Yes. But, but <laughs> yes. you said it's starting to pass, like the storm just went over, that just went over us. Yes. Yes, it is. And I'm glad your feet are healing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you were up there when I when that happened. You were there for that whole yes. fiasco. Yes, I was. <laughs> where I stupidly sunburned myself. Everybody, if you listen to the last episode, you'll know that I I sunburned the shit out of my feet. And I, uh, they're doing better now though. So yeah, it's uh, it's good to be back, good. back yeah, uh, up on my feet, literally. Um, but uh, you are actually Doctor Charlotte Kroll. I should I should mention. Um, and you are. Yep. A dentist, you're the you're the dentist that I go to. I've been going to you for uh, since January, and uh, so that's what we're going to talk about tonight: uh, dentistry, um, which is a, a subject that uh, you know you know about from the time when you're a kid. And uh, I, I I don't know much about it. I don't know much about the profession. I don't know much about the practice itself. And it seems quite interesting. It's an it's interesting to me that it is an entirely separate practice you got doctors who work on your whole body but the people who work on your mouth and your teeth that is a the sole focus of dentistry there's an entire practice dedicated solely to your mouth and uh so that that is very interesting we're going to get into all of that with uh dr kroll here but i'm going to start off by uh asking you the same question i ask everybody and that question is where were you born i was born in jackson tennessee you were born in Tennessee. You know, really quick, one of the things I love about this, I've known you for several years now, and uh, I love doing these interviews because I find out things about my friends that I, I, I never knew. I never knew that you were born in Tennessee. Where, where, is ten- where in Tennessee were you born? Where is this uh, Jackson? Jackson? Um, I believe, granted, I was only born there. I moved from there when I was one and a half. Ah, okay. Um, but I believe it's in, like, it's... I can't remember if it's west of Nashville or it's if it's, it might be by Memphis actually, um, but it's it's a little tiny little town. My dad was in um, his medical school residency when my sister and I were born, so that's where I was born. Okay, and then uh, tell me about your childhood. You didn't you didn't live in Tennessee. Did you move right to Michigan? Or did you guys move around a little bit? No, we moved around a bit. Um, we moved from Tennessee to um, a little town in Nebraska called. Or, um, Franklin, and then from there we moved to another little town in Nebraska called Broken Bow, and that's where I went to um, kindergarten. And then from there we moved to Pennsylvania, uh, about an hour outside of Philly. And then I went to elementary school in Pennsylvania, like grades one through four. And then we moved to Michigan. And you did you go so, where? Where in Michigan did you go? So we went to Hillsdale, which is kind of by the Ohio-Indiana border. Um, 
and my dad took a job there as a radiologist and small town hospital, very small town. Um, people know Hillsdale College sometimes. They're quite famous for, you know, a few things, but um, that's that's where we moved to. And then, uh, yeah, that's where I went to school. So that was middle school on. You've been in, you've been a Michigan resident. Yeah. Yep. Middle school on. I've been in Michigan. Okay. Um, so I consider Michigan home. I yeah. Home. Well, you're, you're younger than me. So that's, you know, that's, that's the majority of your life right there. That was, uh, mm-hmm. must've been interesting as a kid though, to move around. Did you think at the time you were like, you know, I've already lived in three different States. This isn't going to last. I wasn't a hundred percent sure when we moved here because we'd never lived longer than four years in the, in a single air in a single place. Mm-hmm. So I was a little bit like, oh, maybe we'll move again. I hated moving. I mean, what kid doesn't? You know, what kid likes moving and leaving all their friends and having to make new ones? Right. That reset. <laughs> yeah, I only did it once. That I can. I mean, I, I I was born in Columbus. I don't remember. I, Columbus was my Tennessee because I don't remember Columbus at all. But then I remember moving right. from Birmingham to Troy and then Troy to South Lyon was the big one because it was like Troy, I'd established myself. I had friends. And then all of a sudden it was right. like, you wouldn't even have got to start all over again. This is this is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that was Pennsylvania to Michigan for me. I remember falling on the sidewalk, not wanting to get in the car to leave. What was your impression of Michigan compared to the other places you'd been? Well, at first, like a lot of people who don't know the state of Michigan, I thought, where the hell is Michigan? I don't even know where that is. No one knows anything about Michigan. So <laughs> I didn't know people thought that. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely people that think that because I didn't until I moved to Michigan. I had no clue what it was about. But the first actual impression I had of Michigan was kind of terrifying because when we came to look for houses, my whole family came. So my parents brought all of us to look for houses. And we came through um, Canada. And because we wanted to see Niagara Falls. So we came through Canada that way. And we came through um, the tunnel into Detroit. And there was a demonstration going on. And there were like 50,000 people down there. And they were like banging on our windows. We could hardly move. And my dad was like, okay, just lay on the ground. Just get on the ground. It's okay, kids. This is just Detroit. This isn't Michigan. This is just Detroit. (laughs) That was my first impression of Michigan. And I was like, oh, my God, this is terrifying. But then, you know, when we actually got to where we moved, you know, it was a small town. It was, that part was fine. But that was my first impression of Michigan was being our car being practically rocked by demonstrators down in Detroit. What the hell was the protest for? I have no idea. It was like a Sunday, too. Wow. I have no, I have no clue what was happening. I was, you know, nine when that happened. So I don't really, I don't have a whole lot of recollection. I just remember being freaked out. Well, that is, if my first impression of Michigan had been, I don't know how we came into Michigan, but I'll tell you, it wasn't through the, you emerged from this tunnel that goes under a river into a crowd of people banging on your windows. That, you know, I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often for people who, who, I'm surprised that's not more people's first impression of Michigan. Uh, Yep. (laughs) But, you know, once we got here, it, you know, I got a lot more, I could see a lot more of the state, you know, and see how beautiful a place it actually is. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you mentioned your dad was a radiologist. Uh, so could you, could you tell us about your parents' careers and what they did? So my dad's a radiologist. That was not what he started as. He went into the military right out of high school. He got drafted, you know, into the military at 17. Um, and he then served his time active duty for four years. And then when he got out of active duty, he stayed in the military 
um, used his GI Bill uh, to go to college. So he was an older college student. Um, and he met my mom there because she was his college professor. <laughs> so a bit of a scandal there. But he was older. I mean, he was 22 when he met my mom and she was 33. So my dad then decided, you know what, I'm going to go to medical school. So he went to medical school in Nebraska, and then, um, which is where he's from. And then uh, decided, you know, I'm just going to be a family medicine, you know, family medicine doctor. So he went and did a residency in family medicine, started working, realized he did not like it. He didn't really like working with that variety of people in a small town where they could just come to your house and knock on your door and find you. So he decided he was going to be a radiologist. That's really what his long-term goal was. He was trained as a rad tech, a radiology technician in the military. So his long-term goal was to be a radiologist, but he didn't think he could get in right out of medical school into a residency program. So that was kind of his backstory. And then my mom is a, uh, was a chemist. Um, she's got a master's in biochemistry, and um, she taught. She's a teacher. She taught um, in Louisiana public schools the first year they were integrated um, back in the 60s. Uh, and she taught high school and college at various points in her career. Um, and then she kind of she stayed home on and off with us kids. Um, and so she's she's retired now. But uh, my dad's about to retire actually too next month. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my parents' career path. So very science oriented. Yeah, that's that's very storied there, and that was very interesting. The, the way that they met, and mm-hmm. like your dad's slow but steady career path. Like he played the long game on that one. You know, he wanted to be a radiologist, yeah. but he made some stops along the way. Yeah, definitely. And I'm not sure that was, you know, I don't know if he even knew that, if that was going to be his eventual plan. I think it was just, you know, getting through medical school and getting into a residency program was hard enough. And then going back and doing another residency, because residency, his first residency was three years, his second was four. So, I mean, he spent a long time going to school. Uh, tell me about what kind of a student you were. There's actually, before we get into that, forget, forget that question. Going back to the childhood stuff, we'll stay on your family for a bit. You are a, a, a twin. You have a twin sister. Yes. And then, uh, I know you have one older brother and I feel like you might have another one too. I can't remember. Uh, I actually have three older brothers. That's right. Yeah. I knew it was cause I've met, I've met one who's the, you have a brother who's a chiropractor yep. and I've met him. Yep. And then, uh, yes. I knew you had, you had at least one more, but you have several more. So uh, could you just tell us about your siblings, including your twin sister? Yep. So my oldest brother is almost 19 years older than my sister and I, um, and he lives in Louisiana. Um, He's lived with us on and off through periods of time, Um, and he lives in Louisiana now. And then my second oldest brother is um, lives in Nebraska still. That's where he went to college. So he stayed. He got married, and they have a son. My nephew is 14 going to be a freshman this year, which I can't believe. Um, and then my next oldest brother is the chiropractor, um, and he lives in Hillsdale still. Um, and then my twin sister lives in Oak, and she is trained as a dental hygienist. Um, however, she's taking a bit of time to stay home with her son, who's 16 months old. And tell me about your childhood growing up, because that's a really interesting family dynamic where your, your brother was 19 when you were, you were born. Uh, yeah. You know, what, what was your he, childhood like? So he was not around a ton, um, growing up. I don't have any memories of him until he came to live with us when I was, uh, maybe eight, I want to say. 
So soon, soon before we moved to Michigan, he came to live with us. He had had some rough times, um, and moved back home. Um, so I don't have any early memories of him. I have some of my earliest memories are of the next oldest brother who was like 14 when I was born. Um, I remember him like living in the basement in Nebraska and then him leaving for college. I remember all of that. And then he was, I was seven when he got married. So we were flower girls in his wedding and all that. And then, you know, the next oldest brother is only three and a half years older than my sister and I. So we, we are the ones who really grew up together. Um, I have lots of memories of my sister and I kind of ganging up on him, but because we were the annoying little sisters like everybody has. Um, <laughs> Plus you're the youngest too. And you're both. And you're, <laughs> we're you're, the youngest. We're the babies and we're, we're girls. Yeah. So, I mean, we were, we were always into his, I just always remember him when his friends were over. Get out of here. You guys are so annoying. Uh, your older brothers though, were they more like, it sounds like they were almost like, what was that like having a brother that older? Like you said, you didn't, it's, you didn't. It's kind of like having uncle. I was going to say, yeah, it's like an uncle. Yeah. But were they just kind of like uncle. these mysterious figures? You know, like you said, you didn't know, you didn't really have any memories of the one until you were eight. I mean, you're a fully formed person at that point. Right. Uh, right. And, uh, I mean, was he, when he started living with you guys, was it, uh, <laughs> were you kind of. Of like, you know, wow, this is the guy. This is the guy that they've talked about, right. you know, and this is what he's actually like. This is right. incredible. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's like having two uncle figures, sort of, who are your brothers. Um, you know, and we're a blended family. Those are my old, my oldest brothers. My two oldest brothers are from my mom's first marriage. So that, did, that didn't really play into it at all. Um, I just, they, because they were so much older, they were more like uncle figures. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's odd that I don't really have any memories of him when I was real little other than, you know, what my parents captured on video, home mm-hmm. video, um, and looking back at it, but I have no actual memories of him until he was, you know, until I was eight. So, but the other brother, like I said, I have some very early memories of him, but then once we moved from Nebraska, I, you know, it became, I only saw him maybe twice a year. Um, so that whole relationship has been kind of long distance, really. Hmm. So that was just a bit of a dynamic there that is a little different. And I feel like that happens though in families where the generations are all spread out. It happened in my mom's family. Um, there are six of them and they, you know, the oldest was like 18 when the youngest was born. So, it, you know, it just, there's a big spread. And that happens a lot in those types of families where they, you know, there's a different dynamic with the siblings. Yeah, that's literally a different generation. Like he's a different generation mm-hmm. than you. Did you find yeah, that my that older brothers different generation? Did you find that you had that that gave you you know sort of an advantage to see these this that there was this huge gap between you and, and your brothers and it was actually pretty evenly spaced. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, did you you know just watching them? Uh, did you find that that kind of gave you like some some sort of like a life trajectory you know uh, inspiration or advice? I would say probably um, just the fact that they were already adults when I was growing up and seeing them as these like larger than life people. Um, I think that probably had some sort of shaping on my uh, path. I just remember like people thinking my brother was this giant guy because he is, he's like six foot seven. Oh, wow. And he's, you know, he played football a senior year of high school because he's very broad shouldered. He's just a big guy. So I can remember him thinking, you know, I remember people had their reaction to him 
as thinking he's like this larger than life person. Hmm. So I do have, there is some, they did mold what happened a little bit. Uh, the reason I asked is because I'm the oldest of four and I was talking to my youngest brother who's, uh, you know, got his own thing going on. And, uh, he was telling me like, yeah, you know, it was, it was nice to be able to watch you and the other two siblings, you know, it was like, okay, I'm not going to make that mistake. You know, I'm not going to do, yeah. I'm not going to do this. Yeah, oh, there was definitely a lot of that too. I mean, yeah, there was definitely a lot of things that, and some of it I was too little to understand at the time. Right. Um, but I, looking back on it, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that was something that influenced me because it's something not to do. And really the brother who's closest in age he had more of a factor in that, I think, because it was like, you know, we all went to the same college and part of that is because he was there. Um, and I think that had a lot to do with it because he was a senior when my sister and I were freshmen. So, you know, I feel like his path affected me a little bit more than the older two, just because they were so much older. Um, I feel like that was more the case. Uh, what kind of a student were you growing up? I was always, I was always a pretty good student. I can remember struggling a bit with reading when I was really little. My sister and I had just turned five. My birthday is actually tomorrow. Oh, um, happy birthday. We had just turned, thank you. And we had just turned five right before school started, like the week before school started. So my mom started us kind of young, but she knew we were probably catch up and we were going to be really tall for our age. So she didn't want to hold us back. Um, so I, had a little bit of trouble with like reading and stuff, but once I got that figured out, I was fine. Like I, I was always a really good student. Um, things came pretty easy for me, I guess. Um, I have a semi, I would say semi photographic memory. Um, it's not a full photographic memory, but so like studying and stuff was really easy. I usually didn't have to do a ton of it. As long as I paid attention in class, I could recall facts and figures pretty easily. So, I was a pretty good student. Did you do any like extracurricular activities? Not really. Um, I did gymnastics until I was in high school and then I stopped because one, I got too tall. I'm 5'11. There's gymnasts are not that tall. Um, <laughs> so I kept, I kind of kept injuring myself because I was outgrowing, outpacing like what I could do physically as far as gravity is concerned i just couldn't <laughs> figure out how to make my limbs move the way i needed them to so um i had to stop that um and i did band and stuff growing up i played in i played blues um but i didn't really do in high school i didn't really do sports or anything i went to a very small private school um, i had 12 kids in my class and my sister and i were two of the 12 so there's there's just they didn't have, and they did a lot of sports. They had a lot of sports. And they always wanted my sister to play basketball and volleyball, but I'm not a super competitive person when it comes to that. Um, sports are just not my thing. And I'm also not the most coordinated person when it comes to sports. I have a great hand-eye coordination, but I, I am too, like in basketball and stuff, I was too afraid of the ball, like hitting me in any way. It's funny though, the, the, the things that you mentioned that you, you sort of, you noticed your skills, good hand-eye coordination, near photographic memory. Those all are good skills to have in any medical field. You know, it's yeah. it's interesting that the, the those were the things that you noticed. Yep. Um. So let's move into dentistry then. Uh, when did you first get interested in it? So I was in seventh grade, 
And my, I was in Girl Scouts. My sister and I were in Girl Scouts. My mom was our troop leader. Um, and we had this event called uh, Girls 2. Um, and it was an event put on by the Girl Scouts to get girls involved, interested in um, fields that had to do with math and science. So they got all these professional women together. Um, they had a veterinarian, they had a physicist, they had an engineer, they had a biologist, they had an orthodontist, a dentist, a doctor, uh, maybe a couple others that I'm forgetting right now. Um, and they had like, there were little sessions and you got to pick, I think, three or four sessions that you wanted to go to, to hear these women speak about their profession. Um, and I kind of on a whim went to the dental one and it was the dentist and the orthodontist. Um, these two women uh, did their presentation kind of together. And I just remember being super fascinated by what they were talking about. So I'm not a squeamish person, obviously for what I do. Um, but like they let us play with some of the orthodontic tools and they let us play with um, sealant material. So sealants are these things that you put on teeth, you flow into the grooves of teeth so that you don't get cavities in them. Um, and they let us do that on these little fake mounted teeth. And I remember thinking, wow, this is really fun. And then um, the two women themselves, they actually gave each other injections in front of us to show that it actually doesn't hurt, that given the proper way, it's not a painful experience. And all the other girls were like covering their eyes, like, oh, my God, I can't watch this. And I'm right up front there like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> I love this. So that is what kind of sparked the interest, that whole thing. That really sparked the interest. And then throughout high school, I just kept thinking, you know, I think this is what I want to do. I think this is what I want to do. And then I went to college and I didn't really know that much about dentistry other than that little experience. So when I was in college, I did an internship um, between my sophomore and junior years with my dentist from home. Um, and I spent an entire summer in their office just learning about dentistry and about what a dentist actually does and how an office runs. Um, and that really solidified, you know, my obviously interest in dentistry and the fact that I did want to be a dentist that kind of cemented it. That is so, that's so interesting because, and, and nice too, because so many people, you know, when they're 12 and they see that oh, I want to do this, that interest does not stay with them. You know, not even, oh, I know. <laughs> and so that's so cool that it actually worked. And what's nice about dentistry too is like that's a, a profession that kids will, even younger than 12, will say, like, oh, I want to be a dentist because they, they know what a dentist is. Right. Oh, and, right. and so you actually did that. I, cause I never, I never really knew that, uh, I, I know I've probably talked about, about this with you, but, uh, you know, uh, I never really knew if, if, you know, that was, if it went back that far for you. Uh, mm -hmm. so, um, there wasn't any other career path that you'd ever considered though. That was, it was always like, I think well, I'm going to go with dentistry. It, yes and no. So when I got to college, um, everybody was like, you know, what are you going to major in? And I didn't really know. My parents growing up had always told us major in whatever you want, regardless of if you want to continue on, because, you need to find something that you like just in case if you're applying for some sort of specialty school, you don't get in. You need to have a fallback of what could you possibly do. So I took that to heart. Um, I actually majored in geology in college. So 
I was a freshman figuring out classes and I just said, you know what? I've always, I always had a fascination with rocks when I was a kid. Always. I was constantly picking up rocks wherever we went and fossils and things like that. So I was like, yeah, maybe I'll try a geology class. So I took, you know, an intro to geology class and I loved it. So I declared my major. So I was a geology major and I had a concentration in pre dental sciences. So I went to Albion and um, they have a great science program. So I majored in geology. I had to go my geology classes, but I also had all my prerequisites for dental school too, because that was still like my goal. Um, so it worked out for me that I got in and that, you know, I could do what I love to do, but being a geologist was kind of my fallback. So I didn't really have that as a career path, but that was my fallback if something hadn't worked out. That is, that is so hilarious though. Like, cause like I'm going to be a dentist, but if that doesn't work, I'll be, I'll be a geologist. Like that's <laughs> very different things. But yeah. those were two of my interests. You know, early interest growing up was always rocks and, and geology. So that was kind of where I took it. Well, the, the, the very first class I took in college uh, that I had in college was intro to geology. And that was one of the best professors and the best classes I took in all of college. It was, it wasn't enough for me to go, I want to be a geologist, but it was, I still remember things that I learned in that class, you know, potassium feldspar and all the rest of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the very first thing. People always think that it's such an easy thing, you know, an easy choice. We had to have a science credit and a lot of people took geology because they called it rocks for jacks. They think it's going to be super easy. They get into the class and they, it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't understand anything. So they don't even know what halite is, you know? Uh, nope. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. And I remember the, the professor came around the very first thing he did this summer, my very first day of college, he put, he put, uh, what looked like a piece of gold in front of everyone. And he went up to the front of him. He's like, I'll bet you that'll never happen throughout the rest of your coll- co- uh, collegiate career where the professor comes around and puts a hunk of gold in front of you. And of course it wasn't actual gold. It was, it was yeah. uh fool's gold. Pirate. Yep. Yeah, pirate. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. I, I, here I am talking about this. I mean, that was in 2004. So yeah, it, so it, it worked. Made an impression on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, uh, back to the dentistry, uh, so you went to Albion, you said, so tell me about, mm-hmm. uh, the process of, you know, you, you obviously didn't need to fall back on geology. So what happened? You, you just went in and immediately started excelling at it or it just, you were just like, this is, so, this is yeah. right. So I, college was fun. I didn't, I had an, kind of a hard transition into it because Albion is the live on campus. You cannot commute. Um, you have to have like special permission to commute. So it's only half an hour from my house, but I went to such a small school in high school that I had a hard time like with the social aspect of everything, learning how to, be around, you know, I had 500 kids in my class in college, which, you know, people, I tell them that they're like, oh my God, I had more than that in my high school class. But for me, that was a lot of people. So I did have a little bit of hard time socially that first semester. But once I made my group of friends and got into it, like the academically, my first year was really easy. But, you know, as you get farther along, you have to do harder classes for your major. But I also had to do all my pre-dental classes. So to, in order to apply for dental school, and it may have changed a little bit since I applied. That was like 10, 10 years ago that I was applying. Um, you have to take specific classes that, and every dental school is a little bit different. There's some key classes that pretty much everybody has to take. You have to take, um, you know, a full year of biology, a full year of chemistry. You have to take inorganic chemistry and organic chemistry. You have to take a year of physics. Um, 
you have to take an English class, you have to take a math class, um, and you also have to take, like, they recommend taking biochemistry, um, histology, physiology, anatomy, some of those other classes. Those are recommended classes. So I didn't get to take all the recommended classes necessarily. I took biochemistry and um, histology. But I, didn't, I didn't get to take, you know, anatomy, none of that. So I was a... I don't think I was at a disadvantage necessarily because academically I was fine. Um, But my junior year of college, so after my junior year of college, between junior and senior year, I was at Oakland University taking physics for a summer. And I had to live there because it was way too far to commute from my house. So it was super boring. I had class like two days a week and a lab one day a week. So I was, I finished my homework pretty much right as soon as I got back to my dorm and I was sitting, I read a lot of books that summer. Um, read a lot of books and watched a lot of movies. Um, but I figured out I was, I was also trying to study for my DAT, which is the dental aptitude test. Um, and I, I was so freaked out and stressed out that I called my mom crying one day and I said, mom, I think I need to take a year off. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I can't just keep doing this. So, and she was very supportive. She was like, I was crying because I thought she'd be upset or mad or anything, which I should know better. My parents are such sweet people very supportive people. Um, but I, I ended up taking a year off. So after my senior year, um, I took a year off, uh, between college and dental school. Really? And, and yeah. because it, did that, did that moment for you, for you kind of come out of nowhere? Cause it sounded like you were cruising along and doing okay. And then all of a sudden yeah. just bam. So it did, it did. It kind of hit me and I was like, where is this coming from? But I, you know, I had taken, I hadn't, even taken my DAT yet. Well, yes, I had. I had taken it once. I took it twice because um, I wanted to improve on a couple of things. It's not an easy test. Um, so I had taken it once. I was starting to take it again, and I just I got this overwhelming sense of I need a break. Um, and so I that was kind of a defining moment a little bit because I was like I, I need a break. I can't just keep doing this. So I didn't end up applying that round that cycle and what did and you I do my DAT. so i took my dat again and improved a little bit in some areas that i wanted to improve um and then i decided all right i have a year what am i going to do so i knew i had to apply during that year so i started the applications process in the meantime i had my senior year of college i went on a mission trip um with a, a group called gold brigade to honduras and i went to honduras for a week after graduation and I absolutely fell in love with the people um, and just the experience that I had working alongside Hunter and trying to help, trying to better their communities. And um, I was working with a Hunter and dentist and um, I was kind of watching what he did and they're like crazy fast at extractions. That's pretty much all they do um, in a work, you know, a very, very poor country like that. That's all they really do. And um, there had just been a military coup in the country in 2009. So it was very unstable politically. Um, and it was very, uh, my mom was a little hesitant for me to go, but I was an adult. So I made the decision to go. Um, but I fell in love with it. And I, they offered me, uh, Global Brigades offered me a position. It was not a paid position. It was a, it's a nonprofit. Um, and it was just an experience. They were going to pay for me to live in Honduras for a couple months and get um, kind of be one of their dental coordinators. So 
yeah, it was, I mean, it was an amazing experience. And that must have solidified because, I mean, that was, you were actually doing the work there in a place that really needed it, you know, on people that really right. needed it. So that was kind of, if it's, you must have been thinking like, if, if I don't like this now, then I'm not doing the right thing. But oh, if yeah. I do like it, then this is, I made the right choice. Right. So it was a little bit difficult because I was applying for school and I had to go on interviews. So I, I remember getting an email because they had called my mom, I think. I had had somebody, I had to put another phone number on there because my cell phone wasn't going to work in Honduras. So I had to put like my mom's number on. And so she emailed me and she's like, Hey, I got an interview. Um, and the internet there sucked. It was so slow. You had to go to an internet cafe and it was spotty at best. Um, if the wind blew the wrong way, it would not get the internet out. Um, so it was just a miracle that I could even communicate with anybody for that. But I had to email all my stuff. Um, so it, yeah, but I found out I had an interview that way. Um, but it was, it was, it was a little tough doing all that, but it was totally worth it. So where'd you end up going to dental school? University of Detroit Mercy. And I, I had applied, I think to five different schools and they were my number one choice because, um, of their clinical program. I had been, um, to U of M and to U of G, um, on open houses and tours and stuff. And I loved, U of D had such a more clinical experience, meaning um, you really learned how to be a dentist and how to be a good dentist. I'm not saying that U of M doesn't teach people that, um, but they have uh, kind of a stronger focus on the research aspect and like technological advances in dentistry. And for me, that was not going to be my focus. I knew that from the get-go. I wanted to be a good clinician. I didn't necessarily want to focus on like, you know, that portion of dentistry. Well, so, and I mean, how long was dental school then? Four years. Four years. So another four years. So that you go through that. What was that like? Was it, uh, you know, I mean, obviously there were challenges, you know, it was, but you, you still, you made it through it obviously. Uh, so just tell me, tell me about it. There were a lot of challenges in dental school, but I made, you know, again, I had a core group of friends um, and dental school, I had started with 92 kids. We graduated. We picked up a couple of um, foreign students. Um, when someone comes in as a foreign dentist, you know, if they get a degree in dentistry in another country, they have to complete three years of dental school um, in the States to be able to practice in the United States. Um, it's not like that in medicine necessarily, but it is in dentistry. Why is so that? So we picked up a couple extra uh, job security partly. Um, we're making sure that everybody is on an even playing field. So we're making sure that someone who's coming in from another country may not have had the same clinical experience as what someone who graduated here does. Uh, so it's it evens the playing field. Everybody's got three years. Involved. Yes. Okay. So we picked up a couple extras. And I think we graduated with about 96. And we were all really close. Like when you go through that experience, that intense of a rigorous program, um, you really get close with the people that you go through it with. Um, and that's something that it's a unique experience all of its own um, because you're, you're not, and my class did not have the tear each other down competitiveness because they didn't rank 
they did do a rank system of like who was first, who was second, blah, blah, blah. But those numbers were never posted. Your name was never attached to a number. Um, they told you each semester you got a little card in your mailbox that said where your rank was in the class. Um, so we weren't like super competitive, um, like some classes or, you know, like medical schools or whatever. People tend to like tear each other down. We were never like that. Um, we were a very close group of people. So it was kind of nice to have that because, you know, you're going through this kind of awful experience. I mean, it's rewarding, but it's awful because you're having to do so much and very rigorous. Um, but, you know, you, you learn through it together. So not to skip over it or anything, but uh, just just for the sake of keeping this going, because i got a bunch of other questions I do want to ask you specifically about the practice of dentistry. Um, Tell me about, did you get the job in Rochester that you have now right out of school? No, um, I actually kind of made a stupid mistake right out of school. I didn't know, you know, I didn't think anybody was going to hire somebody fresh out of school. So I started applying at corporate offices like Great Expressions, Aspen Dental, those, those places, Redwood Dental, Bright Smiles. Those are all corporate practices, and they hire new grads like all the time. They have a very high turnover rate, and it was enticing because they had, you know, a really good salary. Um, you had a minimum that you could, you know, make during a day, so it was really enticing. So I signed a contract because they were opening an office by my house in East Point, um, and I hated it from the get-go. Like I, even before I started working for them, I hated it. So even before I had started, I was looking at other jobs and I actually turned in my resignation from there even before I started working. And how long were you there? I was only there for about two weeks but they had a 90 day um, notice yet a 90 day notice before leaving but they actually let me go early. And you went from there to Rochester which is where you're at now. Mm -hmm. Yep. And tell me how you found the Rochester job. Um, I applied for a bunch of jobs. Um, The MDA publishes MDA Michigan Association has a um, has a magazine that they put out uh, and I was looking through it, the journal of the Michigan Dental Association and I was flipping through it and it has like classified ads, people were looking for dentists and dentists looking for positions. So I started going through and I marked off a whole bunch and I sent out resumes and I got interviews with a couple different places. Um, and my boss actually called me, uh, it was a phone interview first she called her kids were at some sporting event and i was at a baby shower no bridal shower i think so we talked on the phone for just a couple minutes you know and she said hey can i call you at another time i just want to let you know i liked your resume and i want to talk to you some more so we had a second phone interview and then i think we had two in-person interviews and she her and i got along great from the get-go she's like i want to hire you and i told her everything that i was going through with trying to get out of my contract with the other place and she's like, that's okay. I will, you know, we'll wait. We'll hold the position. Just let me know. So then when I got released early from that contract, she was so happy that I could start working right away. <laughs> um, but that's kind of how I found it. It was just a whim, classified ad. And you've been there ever since. So, so uh, tell me about it, though. What's it, what, what's it like working there? Was it Because, I mean, you're, you're living the dream now. You achieved your goal. You're a dentist. Yeah. So I really love my work. Um, my boss. She's more like a mentor. I consider her a mentor, not a boss. Um, she is fantastic. She's an amazing dentist and she's helped me grow so much professionally and personally that I, I owe her so much. Um, and I love the people that I work with. Um, we've got a great team of, um, hygienists and assistants and staff. And, um, 
I I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's been a really good experience. And what's it called, just so the listeners know? Um, Lee Dentistry. Lee is spelled L-E-I-G-H, though. Okay. So. I'm going to fire off some questions just about dentistry and your experience okay. with it. Um, uh, and we'll uh, we'll see how many of these we can we can get through. Uh, but the first one is: What about dentistry surprised you when you actually started learning about it and practicing it? Oh man, just the well, two things: the amount of crazy stuff I had no idea could happen. That was pretty surprising. Um, just like in general, um, and then the humans people surprised me. I didn't think I would like it as much as I do. I love talking to people and um, getting to know their stories. That's probably the, was the most surprising thing that I found. I didn't think I would like that as much as I do. Uh, what do you wish others knew about dentistry? Like just ran, just the civilians, we'll say. Ugh, my biggest thing that I wish people would stop saying is, oh, I'm probably putting your kid through school right now. Oh, I'm buying your next car. <laughs> okay, dentistry can be expensive, but we have a lot of debt when we come out of school. Mm-hmm. And it's really what you are paying for is we have a high overhead in offices. All the stuff that we use is like it's disposable. That costs money. Um, so that's my biggest pet peeve is when people say that. No, we don't really make that much money, people. <laughs> So that's one thing I would wish people would would know. Uh, what's one thing people should know about their teeth that they usually don't? Um, this one gave me a lot of trouble trying to come up with an answer for this one. Uh, I guess the biggest thing that I want people to know is a lot of what happens to your teeth. Yes, it has a lot to do with how you take care of them. But a lot of it, I would say about 70% of it is genetics. So how your enamel is formed, um, how, what is the pH of your saliva? Like there's a lot of things that have to do with genetics. So when someone says they have soft teeth, they don't have soft teeth. They have crappy bacteria that's attacking their teeth. Um, that, so that's kind of one thing that I wish people knew more about is that you don't have really, you don't have soft teeth. You have crappy genetics that have caused you to have that experience. So this is one one instance where actually personal responsibility only goes so far. It's you really are predisposed yeah. to certain things depending on you who are, you are. And I'm not saying that people don't have to brush and floss their teeth. Um, it's not that. It's just that some I have seen patients who come in, they have great home care. Like there is they have perfect home care. Their gums don't bleed, there's no plaque on their teeth, but they get cavities almost every time they're in. And it's it's that they have the bad bacteria that causes cavities and they, they can't control it. Uh, what's the biggest misconception about dentistry that you have? I guess this kind of, t- this might tie into the whole, like you guys, you don't make as much money as your stereo as your stereotype to make. Yeah, that's the stereo. That's the stereotypical one. Also we have, a. I mean, we have a lot of patients, you know, no one likes coming to see us. I guess I'll just make that a blanket statement. Most people do not like coming to the dentist because if you're coming to see us, other than just for a cleaning, something's wrong. You have a problem that needs to be fixed. And we get that what we do is fear. You know, people have a fear of coming to the dentist. They have a fear of pain. Um, I have patients who would say they would rather give birth again than have some of the things that we do. 
that's a pretty strong statement. Um, so I think one of the biggest misconceptions is you have to trust that we aren't there to hurt you. We're there to help you. Mm-hmm. Why is it so painful? Like what's the science behind that? Is it just because your mouth is so damn sensitive or like what, why is yeah, it? So the nerves are, everything is very interconnected in our body. We all know that now, but, um, they say two of the most visceral pains are toothache and kidney stones. So if you've ever had a kidney stone, it is like, it's extremely painful. I've never had one myself, but I know it's extremely painful. Having a toothache, I have seen people come into my office in absolute tears because their tooth is causing them that much pain. The nerves of your teeth are very sensitive. So, you know, when someone says, man, they hit a nerve, yeah, that can happen, um, which is why we have to numb people for what we do to make it more comfortable. But it isn't because think about it. If you have a toothache, you can't sleep. You can't eat. Everything is everything is difficult. It hurts to breathe. I mean, that's it really impacts your life. Mm -hmm. And it just it just has to do with the fact that your nerves in your mouth are just that that sensitive for for do you know why that that is on an evolutionary level? Like why we evolved to have such sensitive like why our mouths, you know, I you know, I am not 100% sure. Um, you know, there have been, there's evidence of dentistry back in the mummies. Like 4,000, 5,000 years ago, there's evidence of early dentistry in those people. Mm-hmm. Um, 2,000, 4,000 years ago. Yeah. Well, they say King Tut died of a tooth abscess. Yeah, that's right. They that's do. infection from a tooth abscess. So it's been kind of that whole thing, but I don't know why our teeth are so sensitive, I guess, because it's a way, it's a measure of um, letting you know if there's infection in your body. You know, sometimes you can't, you know, there's a lot of people that have cancer and don't know it. Um, but if you have a toothache, you know it. Um, and it's like a warning sign. I think it's like get this taken care of before it gets out of control. Well, I think another reason might be that's your fuel intake, you know, and if you're going to put too. something in your mouth that, that you can't eat. Well, there's that, and if you put something in your mouth that burns or tastes funny or bad, you, it's gonna it might kill you. So that's well, yeah, probably that's got to do with it too. too. Why your taste buds and stuff are so sensitive is to keep us from getting poisoned. Um, that's 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 all part of it, and the burning thing. Um, and you know, your teeth can feel extremely. You know, your tongue and teeth can feel the breath of a hair in your mouth. That's true. So think about how that whole, they're all interconnected. And, you know, if you bite down on something really hard, it's going to send you like a warning shock. Like, hey, don't do that. You know, one um, one thing I found absolutely fascinating, there's actually two things. But the first thing is like you can, I, I, I learned this, you can actually, you are capable of biting your own fingers off, but your brain won't let your mouth do that because of self-preservation. Um, yes, that's correct. And the other thing, and I just realized this, this ties into what we were just talking about, the sensitivity, like babies, I remember learning early on, that's why babies will feel things with their mouths. You notice like they'll, yeah. they want to put everything in their mouth. Cause that's, that's one of the way they invest, uh, ways they investigate things like with their toys, they'll gnaw on their little plastic rings. And it's not just cause yeah. they're teething. It's cause you know, it's, it's how, how, how does this thing feel? Their tactile function is not as good as their mouth is at feeling the differences of things. Do you, do you work on infants or is that a completely different thing? No. So there are a bunch of different specialties within dentistry, but I'm a general dentist. So I work on pretty much everybody. 
Um, we generally start seeing kids around the age of three. I, we do see them younger. However, they won't really let us do anything when they're that little. They oftentimes won't even let us like get our instruments in their mouth. Um, so that's just kind of like looking to make sure they have all their teeth, to make sure things are coming in properly, to make sure they don't have any obvious signs of decay. If they do, when they're that little, they have to see a pediatric dentist who is somebody that only works on children. Um, but we see all ages, all ages of people. Uh, this next question is kind of too, two-parted. Um, I want to talk about like tech advances. And the first, I'll, I'll start with what sort of tech advances have sort of blown your mind since you started practicing? So you've been at it, you know, you said you're in Honduras around 2009. That's a decade and things move fast right. when it comes to med- medicine and, and technology. So what's the biggest like leap that you've made or that we've made, I should say, uh, that you've, you've seen since you've been practicing? So they try to teach you everything you need to know to, to be a dentist in dental school, but dental schools are behind on some of their technology. So when I got out of school, um, my office has a Cerec machine, which is a machine that it's a 3D printer basically that mills crowns. And I had been trained on that, but the advances that had happened between my training and getting out of school was crazy. Um, I mean, you can do so much now and just the, the 3D imaging that's available now um, and, you know, 3D imaging with guided implant restorations, um, there's just a lot of computer um, advances and even x-rays. I mean, I was trained on digital x-rays in school, but even from that, I mean, I can see so much more now on the x-rays that we use than I ever could before. Uh, You know what the biggest jump for me was? Because I'm old enough to remember this, and I mean you are too. But uh, is the when they got they traded out the sink for the suction hose? Mm-hmm. That was the biggest yeah. thing. It was no more okay. spitting in the sink. It was it was take mm-hmm. this thing, and you even get to hold it, and then uh, and mm-hmm. then just it just it's way cleaner. So very very interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, those spit bowls are nasty. Yeah. Uh, did you ever work with those, or were those are the were the suction tubes already in practice by the time you came along? Oh no, suctions had been in practice a long time before I before I got out of school. So yeah, no, I never worked with the spitballs. I just remember them as a kid, you know, being like, "This is gross." <laughs> uh, what's the in terms of like the future? What what do you think is going to be the biggest, the next big thing in terms of dentistry technology? Um, they have been trying for a long time to put through a couple of things that I actually think may eventually happen. Um, one is, and this one, I don't know if it will actually go through or not, but a vaccine for cavities. There are specific bacteria that cause cavities and they've been trying forever to get a vaccine together for that. But I just, I don't see that happening. I don't see that being a priority, um, necessarily for the advancement of dentistry. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other stuff is like laser dentistry has come a long way, um, using a laser to cut teeth instead of a, a burr. Um, that I think is, is going to make a bigger push for that. And then, like I said, just using um, using the technology that we already have and making the advancements that we need. Eventually, who knows? They might be able to regrow a tooth. I I don't know. Um, I think that's something that they have worked on with like using stem cells to regrow teeth and implant them um, as a replacement for people. I would 
think that, that would be really cool to have that happen, but I don't know. Again, I'm not sure if that's actually going to happen or not. Is there anything? Is there anything that you personally, based on what you've seen, would you like that you'd like to see invented? Uh, a silent panty. <laughs> I'll go deaf eventually if I don't start wearing earplugs, um, just from the noise that our our instruments make. It's yeah. a high pitch frequency. Yeah, and you'd think that, that that would be a relatively easy thing to solve at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, we can 3D print. We're, yeah. we're pretty close to being able to 3D print teeth. Uh, mm-hmm. so. Well, and I, I have so many patients who hate the sound of those things. They, it's, it's, an, it's an amplifier for their nerves, just the, the noises that everything makes. So, I mean, having something that's quieter or soundless would be amazing. Total. And, and you'd get rid of that sort of Pavlovian thing where people hear the noise and then yeah. they instantly feel pain. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so uh, we're at the top of the hour. Um, tell me about what do you got coming up in the future here? Like what's your – you just going to continue to do your thing or do you have anything uh, – any plans uh, yeah, in terms of your not, practice? Not any immediate plans. Um, I think, you know, there's – like I said, there's always changes and there's always things happening. But I'm pretty I'm pretty happy where I'm at. Um so I mean I don't know what the future holds, but I'd like to like to think that I'm gonna take the course for right now. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Charles. It's been really interesting, and uh, and you and your husband are really good friends, and um, and I'm really glad that I you're the first doctor. You're not only you're the first doctor I've had that's younger than me, but you're also the first one that I knew prior and who's also a friend of mine. So that's that was <laughs> having the whole dentist stereotype thing is so much easier when you, when I look up when I can look up and I I know the person is working on my mouth. That's uh, yeah, that's a big thing. So so thanks for coming on. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, and uh, you know, I we'll we'll see. Uh, th- I, I got to say, you you, you and uh, Jim invited me up north, obviously for uh, to to spend time at the the beautiful cabin that you guys uh, use up there on uh, the mm-hmm. peninsula, and um, that was a blast. Uh, I did get sunburned, but that was my own damn fault. Uh, and I, I had a really good time. Uh, so thanks again for uh, for letting that uh, for inviting me to that. No problem. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's see here. I'm going to be back next week. Uh, Dave Phillips, the co-founder of Podcast Detroit, is going to be joining me again. Um, I've talked to him about a lot of things. He was on back in December of 2017. We talked about Podcast Detroit. He was on with Bob, the sales guy, who's the other co-founder of Podcast Detroit. And uh, we talked about them and how they met and how Podcast Detroit was founded. But we're going to talk more to him about uh, his life and the IT work he does and uh, probably some more podcast stuff. Um, I, I was hanging out with him the other week and I, he's, he's such an interesting guy and he's so good at talking. Uh, I was like, man, you need to come back on and just, and just, just talk. So he said he would do that and that's what we'll do next Wednesday. Um, so I will be back then. Everybody uh, else have a great weekend. And uh, this has been podcast Detroit, or this has been American Winer rather on podcastdetroit.com. Everybody have a great week.